Tonight's scripture reading is from John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for testimony to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, and his own people received him not. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. The word of the Lord. I've been bothered by something recently, something I've observed in our culture. I've seen it in the responses and comments of well-meaning commenters and columnists in weekly newspapers and the magazines and the television shows that I watch on my computer and the podcasts I listen to. And even more concerning, I have even encountered it in personal interaction with my fellows. At first, I had trouble identifying exactly what it was, shall I say, rubbing me the wrong way. Something, some thing or a tone or an attitude that I did not, that didn't quite sit right with me. Or as I was taught to say by my undergraduate philosophy professor, I was picking up on something that did not make sense of my reality. But then it hit me. This thing, this new ethos that has permeated our culture right here in the beginning of the second decade of the 21st century, the thing, the neo-ethos, emotional and subconsciously intellectual meme was a profound lack of irony. Whatever happened to irony? Where is it gone? I mean, irony has always been my friend, my friend for so long. It's been a tool and a comfort in dealing with a beautiful and disappointing world. A dark, evil, and weirdly hopeful and uplifting world. Sincerity just does not do the same job. It requires something I cannot generally bring myself to do, which is to be of one mind, of one heart, if you will, to feel purely a certain way about a certain thing, to speak plainly yet boldly on the courage of my convictions. Because, you see, I am rarely capable of speaking plainly, and I have no courage, and I don't have many convictions Boldly, I can speak boldly, 
That part I have down. So I can speak boldly of my incoherent cowardice and wavering convictions. I need irony because it helps me to say two things at once, which is minimally what I usually want to do or need to do. Irony helps me deal with the world without going crazy or getting crazy mad or feeling hopeless. For example, this last week, I heard this article in the paper. There was an article about this current crime problem in Minnesota and Wisconsin. This same crime problem is occurring all over the country. And what is this new crime problem? It's that there's a drastic drop in crime. Crime all over has plummeted. Now, what this article is really about is a huge problem with unused prison cells. Like in the 90s and the 2000s, early 2000s, there was a real boom in prison building. Counties and states were building prisons like mad. It was a growth industry. You put a prison in an economically depressed area and you provide all kinds of construction jobs and all kinds of permanent jobs for prison guards and administrators and hotels and restaurants spring up to serve the families and friends that come to visit the prisoners. It was so lucrative that many private companies were building them as for-profit ventures. But alas, crime has fallen off drastically. One warden lamented that the problem is crystal meth. People just aren't using it like they used to. (laughs) There are less arrests for possession and trafficking, and there hasn't been a meth lab bust around here, and I can't remember when. The article posits, no one claims to know exactly how bad the problem is, but it looks as if there are thousands and thousands of empty beds. What can you say? Times are hard. (laughs) Now, critics of irony as a method of dealing with reality note that an ironic stance creates emotional distance from a subject or situation which I guess is true, which is probably what makes it such a good defensive mechanism, which keeps me from throwing the newspaper against the wall and screaming. What is wrong with the world? There are people lamenting the fact that crime has plummeted, that people have stopped using meth, because now that they can't make as much money putting up prison, putting these people in prison. See, instead of pulling my hair out or screaming, With using irony, I can just respond by smirking and say, what can you say? Times are hard. But I can see that a prolonged ironic stance and its inevitable emotional distancing can be problematic. I mean, one cannot have a real relationship while maintaining emotional distance. But what are my options? Really, sincerity? Sincerity doesn't work. Sincerity doesn't work because it's the most insincere thing thing there is. To be sincere is so insincere. Sincerity because it's not true. At least it doesn't seem that way to me. Can anyone feel purely and sincerely a certain way about a certain thing with just no doubts or equivocations to speak plainly and boldly of the courage of their convictions, I don't think many people can. 
Well, I mean, you probably can. I'm sure you can. Absolutely. <laughs> Further, one might argue that irony doesn't allow you to express two things at once, as I've said. Simple irony only allows you to say the opposite of what's being said. So the unintentional irony in the article about the crime problem is that there is no actual crime problem, but a problem with the prison's business model. Well, luckily for me, people have been working on this whole sincerity irony problem and have come up with an approach that is being called the new sincerity. It's sort of a hybrid of sincerity and irony. It works quite well. The new sincerity approach actually does allow you to express the layer of contradictory meanings and feelings about a certain situation or idea. It allows one to confess the dialectic nature of reality, allows one to live in the dialectic, if you will. Will you? For instance, I can say with all new sincerity, I love the Christmas season. Just love it. You see, isn't that just fraught? <laughs> Layers of complexity and contradictory beauty and pathos. I do love the Christmas season, but I also really hate a lot of it too. It is a time of goodwill and of mercy and of love and of giving and forgiveness, of celebrating life, and it's a time when a mirror is held up to the capitalist, materialist disease that we call contemporary culture, where everything good or kind or hopeful is commodified and corrupted, stripped of meaning beyond profit. I love the Christmas season. I just love it. The new sincerity is a deeply felt smile, a warmth, marbled with sadness. Both things are communicated. All things are communicated. Both things are felt. Myriad emotions are present. There is a resignation marbled with hope. Joy. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's servants. Surely, from now, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. God's mercy is for those who fear God from generation to generation. God has showed strength with God's arm, for God has scattered the proud of their thoughts and their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped God's servant Israel in remembrance of God's mercy. According to the promise God made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants, unto us a Savior is born. <laughs>